Welcome to the Under a Pile of Books podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Park, and wow, what a week. We have a ton of stuff to discuss and get to. I'm really excited for this uh, podcast, so go ahead, sort of strap in, and let's dive right in. So first things being first, I had a discussion briefly, actually, just mentioned during my interview with Angela Board, my general dislike for novels that use present tense narratives. And someone uh, asked me about this on Twitter and said, hey, what is it? Why do some present tense narratives work and some don't? Why don't you normally like them? You know, what's going on with this? What's the issue? And so I wanted to just respond to that question here on the pod real quick. I think in my mind, some work and some don't, mostly because, generally speaking, I think there is zero reason for using the present tense to uh, as a narrative tense. There's just zero reason for it. I suppose it's supposed to bring immediacy or something like that, some feeling that you are right there in the moment. The fact of the matter is that, for me, it very rarely actually brings that immediacy. Instead, what it puts me in mind of is, and I don't mean this in an insulting way at all, but it tends to put me in mind of early reader books, which in English tend to use the present tense. Either because kids have an easier time with that than trying to kind of think in narrative past or whatever the reason, a lot of your early reader books use present tense. See spot, see spot run, see spot run up the hill, so on and so forth. Now, certainly uh, novels are much better crafted than that. including those that use the present tense. So I don't mean that in in kind of a disparaging way, but it's simply what it puts me in mind of. And so it just from from the very get-go doesn't work for me. It doesn't bring immediacy. It just doesn't work at all. I think that in our conversation, in sort of real life, the narrative present is used mostly in short bursts of story and in conversation we may have. So to use it extensively feels weird to me. If I'm telling a story, I might say something like, uh, so then I, then I say to him, meaning, of course, that I said to him at some point, but for whatever reason, in that short burst, I'm bringing, uh, bringing the listener into the moment or whatever I'm trying to do there. Um, maybe I'm just being grammatically incorrect, whatever. But it feels weird to read an entire novel. I should say it feels weird to me to read an entire novel exclusively in the present tense. Now, Fortune's Fool, however, I think is a great example of using the present tense to some purpose. It contributes something to the novel and to the structure and to what Angela uh, is doing in that story. So, in that case, uh, Fortune's Fool, it's used to distinguish between a past timeline and a present timeline. I think it works really well to do that. At least, you know, it worked really well for me. It really contributed something to 
the novel and something to the way the story was told. And I think when it's used to a purpose, it ends up really working. When it's not used to a purpose, it just doesn't work for me. And I'll tell you, uh, I had mentioned Robert Jackson Bennett's uh, The Divine Cities trilogy. It's a uh, trilogy that's really good. I, I, I love the first two books in that trilogy. I actually haven't gotten to the third book yet, but I do enjoy uh, the first two books. I think they're great. But at the end of the day, uh, even there, I'm not really sure the present tense is used to a purpose. Robert Jackson Bennett just has such amazing prose that I kind of lose myself and don't notice the fact that it's written in present tense. So even his, which I, I really enjoy, the present tense to me doesn't do anything. It doesn't add anything. It's just that the prose is overall so, uh, so evocative and so beautiful that I don't really notice that it's in present tense. So that's kind of my take uh, on the, the present tense. It's why it, it doesn't really work for me most of the time. But in a few instances, I think that, uh, you know, especially Fortune's Full, it's been used to great effect. And if the prose is just so engaging otherwise, uh, maybe I can kind of just not notice it. All right, so jumping in then after that to just my week in review what I've read I'm, I'm pleased with the progress I made and the books that I read this week generally speaking I do unfortunately though have to start out kind of my my week in review with a book that I DNF'd so I did not finish this book and it's really unfortunate because I was looking forward to this novel quite a bit uh, and that book was A Hero Born, which is actually a Chinese novel originally, and it is being published by St. Martin's Press, a new translation uh, by Anna Holmwood. And I believe that it releases September 17th or thereabouts. So it may be something that, that you want to have on your, your radar. This is the first book in the Legends of the Condor Heroes uh, series. And it's one that I've heard a lot about. And I was really excited to read it. Unfortunately for me, I just felt like the translation was a little stilted at times, and that, in fairness, may not be the fault of the translator. It may be, you know, trying to bring it from the original, and it is an older Chinese novel, uh, so maybe things just did not translate well. I do feel, though, like uh, the translation could have been, you know, more flowing in English. I have some pretty uh, clear and and uh, determined expectations for translation and what makes a good translation, uh, having worked myself with, with a lot of ancient languages. So, you know, I, I have kind of some, uh, you know, you want to call them snobbish opinions, whatever, on what, what translation should look like, what a good translation should look like. And so it just, this book did not do it for me. I got about 15, 16% of the way in and just decided that uh, it was not working for me. I was finding myself frustrated with... Uh, sort of every few pages 
with what I perceived as as uh, just a prose that was not flowing, that was felt somewhat stilted, dialogue that felt stilted, uh, just all of that. And so uh, I chose not to finish that one. Uh, really disappointed about that, but uh, sometimes it's it's just the way that things go. So I did not finish A Hero Born last week, unfortunately. However, I did then begin Age of War by Michael J. Sullivan and finish that. A great book, third in his Legends of the First Empire series. I'm really enjoying this entire series. Age of War, I think, really brought some of the the characters out and really did a great job of just you know it's it's classic fantasy but with kind of a modern take on the character side of that and I think that Sullivan really excels at managing this large cast of characters giving them each the depth that they need and Yet it never feels as if characters are being shortchanged. It never feels as if you know the cast is too big and we're not we're not getting enough time in a character's perspective. He just does an incredible job with that, and um, I, I really I love that about these these books, and I, I can't wait to move on to uh, Age of Legend. There was a little something at the end kind of having to do with the end game that didn't really work for me. I'll say more about that when I actually do my written review, uh, which I'll, I'll do and put up probably in, in a week uh, or so. It might take me a little longer than that to get to it. So, uh, But I'm, in my written review, I'll go into a little more detail on that. But overall, really enjoyed this one. And if you like a classic fantasy with very strong character uh, development, uh, and really just a lot of fun in the the book it, this is this is this is a series for you so definitely consider uh, the legends of the first empire series and uh, age of war the third book in the series I liked it a lot uh, classic fantasy with some fun twists the next book I read and finished this week was uh, Kalanon's Rising. And this is by Darian Smith. It is the first book in the Agents of Kalanon series. And this, first off, was a really unique book. It was really um, kind of a whodunit murder mystery with some fun twists on it, but but it, it was really a whodunit set in a fantasy setting. I don't know if I've ever read something quite like this, so very unique. From that perspective, a lot of fun. Uh, thought the characters were well done. The The plot was definitely interesting and engaging, even gripping at points. Um, fascinating kind of world building with some different magic in it that really play an important... The, the different magics play, uh, you know not a primary role, but but a really important role nonetheless in the the whodunit uh, bit of the the book, the the main plot. So I, I always enjoy it when there are, when the world building matters to the plot and plays a role. So I thought that was was really good. This is currently in Spiffbo five, I believe I believe this is a semi finalist in 
Superstar Drifters uh, group, I I think Esme, uh, this is the first final, uh, first semifinalist, the only semifinalist so far that Esme's uh, chosen. So uh, I went ahead and read it, really enjoyed it. Um, I'll of course do a, a full written review, but if what I've said so far sounds intriguing. The fact that it's a semi-finalist for uh, Spiffbo in a Superstar Drifters uh, group, definitely you may want to consider uh, picking it up. I had a lot of fun with it. It's not an overly long read either, so you can, uh, you know, you get through it pretty quick. So those are what I read, or in the case of A Hero Born, did not read this week. In terms of what I have on deck, what I'm looking forward to reading this coming week, uh, The Guns Above by Robin Bennis. This uh, was actually recommended to me by uh, Jason uh, from Off the TBR. And uh, actually, we discuss it briefly, or he he discusses it briefly in an interview that will be dropping this week that I did with him. I'll say more about that at the end of the podcast. But The Guns Above by Robin Bennis it sounds like a really interesting kind of black powder fantasy airships. Uh, I'm a couple chapters in and enjoying it so far. So looking forward to continuing and finishing that this week. And then I'm also planning to get to Steel Crow Saga by Paul Kruger. And this is one that uh, it's an arc that I have, an advanced reader copy. And I believe it releases at the end of September. If I'm not mistaken, it's September 24th or something like that. And anyway, I'm looking forward to it. It sounds really interesting. It's one of the uh, things I requested off NetGalley back earlier in the summer and was really excited when I got approved for it. So uh, thank you, NetGalley. Thank you to the publisher. And uh, looking forward definitely to getting to that one this week. Now, I mentioned at the top of the pod that there's a ton to talk about. Not only those things that I that I've already mentioned, but we also have just a ton of news in sort of the sci-fi fantasy realm right now. So I'm going to hit or try to hit a number of things quickly, and I'm probably going to miss something that was a was a major storyline this week. But uh, you know, just going to try to to kind of plow through. The first and probably the most exciting thing is that officially Worldcon 2021 uh, will be in Washington, D.C. I'm super excited because that is an easy driving distance from me. And so I am looking forward to being at Worldcon in 2021. Going to be there I've got like a ton of ideas and folks have been kind of sharing more ideas on Twitter for what uh, we can do in terms of the podcast and kind of recording some episodes there at Worldcon. I realize this is still two years away, but I am super excited. Uh, Worldcon is one of those things I've always wanted to go to and 
you know, for different reasons, haven't been able to often the costs involved with travel and, and that kind of thing. And I get that a lot of people are in that boat. So I'm super excited that it's going to be sort of in my neck of the woods coming up very soon. Two years. So expect the podcast to be there, uh, to, to be recording, to be uh, getting folks uh, thoughts and reactions to, to various things and covering different stuff at Worldcon when it's in DC in 2021. So that, that to me is one of the most exciting things. I kind of knew that that was going to happen because DC was uh, from earlier this year, the only city that was still bidding for Worldcon in 2021. So I suspected, you know, that unless they really botched something or, or something weird happened, it was going to be, but it's great to have it official and I'm excited for uh, 2021. So I will uh, see hopefully many of you at Worldcon in DC in uh, a couple of years. Another uh, sort of big thing this week that, that I, I'm excited about is that the Age of Death Kickstarter, uh, actually launched and funded in like an hour. So Age of Death is the fifth book in the Legends of the First Empire series by Michael J. Sullivan. And what he does, he is he was a self-published author and he was picked up by Del Rey, who published uh, a number of his books, uh, several of the Legends of the First Empire series, at least the first two or three, I believe. And then some different things. They, they changed how they do contracts. And there was a, an issue where Michael had already sold the rights to audiobooks and ju- just some kind of weird contractual stuff. And so they decided to no longer publish any of uh, his books. And they, they sort of severed that relationship. And Michael went back to self-publishing. Now, Michael is probably one of the most successful self-published authors in fantasy. Uh, he's very well known. And so he really wanted to ensure that people could get hardcovers of the remaining Legends of the First Empire books. He, you know, many of us enjoy collecting books in addition to reading them. And so when you have the first three books in hardcover, you would like to be able to get the rest of the series in hardcover as well. It's very difficult to do this as a self-published author because print on demand and that sort of thing, really, uh, it's only viable financially to do that with paperbacks. Uh, Hardbacks cost quite a lot of money. Uh, to do that kind of print-on-demand. So, Michael, with Age of Legend, I believe is the first one he did it with. I could be wrong on that, but with Age of Legend, which was the fourth book in the Legends of the First Empire series, he launched a Kickstarter to fund a print run of hardcovers for that book. You could also get through various, you know, if you contributed so much, you could get signed hardcovers of the earlier books in the Legends of the First Empire series. He actually did a Kickstarter, I think, last year to buy up the hardcover stock for the ones that had been previously published by uh, Del Rey. So anyway, this is now the Kickstarter for Age of Death. It launched on Thursday at like noon, my time, or somewhere around there. By one o'clock, it was fully funded. So we're getting Age of Death uh, in you know a nice hardcover, and uh, the cover art for it looks really cool. 
I'm, I'm excited to get to that book in the series. Uh, if you have enjoyed the Legends of the First Empire, or if you're interested in beginning the Legends of the First Empire, uh, there are some cool levels that you can contribute to the Kickstarter for Age of Death and get the previous books in the series in you know signed hardcover or whatever. So you might want to check that out. Age of Death Kickstarter, Michael J. Sullivan. There was uh, this kind of big thing earlier in the week about Spider-Man and Marvel and Sony. And, you know, maybe Sony's not, you know, they're not going to be able to work it out. This this financial thing that they're Disney and, and Sony are arguing about. Who knows where it is, whether Spider-Man will be in the MCU uh, here on out. I don't know, frankly, what's going on. I don't know how that whole thing is going to play out. I know that I would be super disappointed if Spider-Man were no longer part of the MCU. Uh, and I think Sony has not fully, uh, not really shown that they get how to make a good, a really good Spider-Man movie. Um, that's kind of my two cents on that. And it is what it is. We'll see how it plays out. The other big thing this week uh, has been the uh, D23 Expo, which is Disney's big kind of show off what's coming up sort of thing. And of course, because Disney owns Star Wars and Marvel, suddenly this is really relevant to those of us, and it has been for a couple of years, but it's suddenly really relevant to those of us who are sort of interested in science fiction and fantasy and kind of follow science fiction and fantasy. So we got tons of news for Star Wars and Marvel and sort of that sci-fi side of things. Um, there's uh, been news on the Star Wars side of things, a trailer for The Mandalorian, which is going to be a uh, series on Disney's new streaming service, Disney+. Plus. Uh, we got a trailer for that. There's uh, some talk of some new footage that was shown for The Rise of Skywalker, Episode 9. There is a an Obi-Wan series that is going to begin filming for Disney Plus that I am extremely excited for. And I cannot wait to see how that kind of turns out and how that gets, gets kind of shaped. That's maybe the thing I'm most looking forward to on the kind of the Disney Plus Star Wars side. So lots of kind of sci-fi stuff going on there. Um, you can just search D23 Star Wars news and you'll get whole write-ups on a whole bunch of stuff. There's also been a ton of news with Marvel. Uh, Disney Plus is going to get, I think, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel uh, series, uh, which are going to be awesome. There's uh, WandaVision, which we already knew about. There's been some, some more information drop about that. Uh, the Immortals has had additional cast announcements. I believe Kit Harrington is going to be part of that series. So you may know him as Jon Snow from Game of Thrones on HBO. So he's going to be part of uh, the MCU now uh, in the Immortals series. So that's also uh, kind of a cool, cool development. We also got some more information, uh, official confirmation of a release date for Black Panther 2. Uh, I think it's it's a ways off. I don't think it's coming until 2022 or something like that. But uh, that's exciting. Black Panther was a favorite a movie of mine in the MCU. And so knowing that we're getting Black Panther 2, even if it is a ways off uh, to me is, is really cool. And, and I'm glad for that. So just a ton of news. I cannot possibly cover it all 
just some really cool stuff. So check it out. Search for Disney D23 Expo. You can get all kinds of information on that. I want to wrap it up here uh, because I'm already over time, but uh, this coming week, look for my interview with Jason Acock from Off the TBR. Uh, he and I had an awesome discussion. I had hoped to get that out this past week and just did not get things uh, together. So that's going to drop early this coming week. And then later in the week, look for a, a conversation between Petrick from Novel Notions and I. Uh, we had just a wonderful chat about novels and uh fantasy and kind of fantasy as a genre, just some fun stuff. So look forward to both of those discussions that'll be dropping sometime this week. Um, my conversation with Jason from off the TBR, uh, just a great guy. Really love talking to him. He's got some, some great thoughts on stuff. And then same thing for Patrick. That'll be dropping later in the week. So thank you so much for sticking with me here to the end of this uh, little little bit extra long podcast, uh, weekly pod anyway. So uh, thanks so much. Uh, hope you have a great week and happy reading.